Well, it is fabulous to be with you this morning, see all your happy smiling faces. We're living in days of deep unrest, internationally, nationally. We're in a situation where people feel unsettled. We're suffering flood situations and lots of things are, are going on. And a short while ago, I was in my office listening to a CD, Divine Exchange, recorded at Live Church in Bradford. And a Laura Martin song came on there called This Is Our Time. And the first line of that song was, what a day to be alive. So there I am, happily sitting, working in my office. What a day to be alive. I had to get up and play that song again. Sat down, then I had to get up and play that song again. I haven't got repeat function on my, my it's an older one, but it's good anyway. And uh, after getting up three or four times, something of this really found a resting place in my life. What a day to be alive. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. And basically, I want to inspire us this morning to find ourselves in the place where when we wake up in the morning, we say, what a day to be alive. I'm meeting too many people in church circles and out of church circles who, when you meet them, we say, how's, how's life going to go? Oh, the weather's bad and this is bad. And they come out with all the things which are negative in life. And by the end of this service this morning, we, with God's grace and with his mercy, particularly on my life, I want us to leave as a group of people with something of an inspirational touch of the Holy Spirit in our life that lights a fire that cannot be put out. The fire that God brings is something that burns, 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 whether it's raining, snowing, the winds are blowing or whatever. And it's our right to have that within our lives. Almost sounds political, but it's not. It's the grace of God that makes a difference in our lives. You should have found it in your Bibles now, Acts 3, verse 1 to 10. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said this, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking the man by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I don't blame him, do you? Years of being stuck on a dirty floor, put there by his friends to beg for a few coins. What sort of life was that man living? And somehow, at that moment in time, Peter and John were passing by. He was asking, he was asking for the money, but an arm was outstretched. Can I say that again? An arm was outstretched by Peter. And he said, silver and gold I haven't got, but such as I have, I give. And healing came to that man. They recognized him, obviously, in the temple as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Years ago, in a large wooden shed on the Fowl Coast, a pioneer pastor was taking a Bible study on a Thursday night. 
This guy hadn't been in the best of health throughout his life. And he was supporting his ministry by cleaning windows. Then he got into selling veg, fruit and veg. And later he was selling insurance, anything to pay for his ministry. Anyway, let's get back to it. It's a Thursday night. It's in a, a wooden hut with about 20 people listening to this man do a Bible study on hope. And this was the passage of scripture he was teaching from. It got to the very point where Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give. When what he describes as liquid fire hits his feet, this intense heat comes right up through his body, through his arms, through his head, and he felt different. From that moment on, he started to put on body mass and weight. And I believe I stand here today because that man was healed, because that man was my dad. So often, we're not expecting God to work. God will do his work in the way that he wants to. There are people in here who are sick this morning. Do you know I've got faith to believe that while you're sitting here listening to me, God can bring his healing touch in your life. Asthmatics can breathe easy in the mighty name of Jesus. People with limps can walk straight. People with high blood pressure, it can be restored to normal. People who are feeling levels of anxiety and depression can be released in Jesus' name. These two men were walking. They had no money. But what they had was a word from God for that man. Two men, seemingly with nothing, had everything to give. Secondly, what a day to be alive with a packed lunch. I want us to overcome any thoughts we have this morning that what we have is inadequate to be used by God. If you've got a tambourine, play it, and even God can use a tambourine. But we've got more than that this morning. We've got skills, we've got abilities, we've got relationships that we can give to God afresh. And God can take what we've got and make it enough to serve the needs of another. What a day then. What a day to be alive with a packed lunch. We find recorded in John chapter 6, verse 1 to 14, the historical account of 5,000 men plus their families, scholars say there must have been at least 20 to 25,000 people gathered at this point in time to listen to Jesus. And it was mid-morning. And Jesus, quite out of the blue, he'd be praying with people, sharing with people, turns to his disciples and says this, where can we bribe bread? Man, what was that like? Disciples there, healings are taking place, lives are being blessed. Jesus turns to them and says, where can we buy bread? We read in scripture at that point that Philip had apoplexy. He's looking at thousands of people and he made a statement, he said, look, even eight months of wages wouldn't pay for bread for all of these people. And then there was Andrew. Then you can take your take on Andrew, however you want to look at it. But I see Andrew there, he, he knows that with Jesus, anything is possible. 
And he said, oh, oh Jesus, uh, there's a lad here with his pat lunch. His Mac Galilee pack up. Five loaves and two fish. Folks, when a pat lunch is put in the hands of Jesus, anything can happen. 20,000 people at least were fed. And there was 12 baskets of leftovers. What a day to be alive with a packed lunch. I might be saying this, and this week you'll be in your workplace with your packed lunch, and you offer a sandwich to a colleague who's forgotten the lunch. I don't know what's going on. But I want to impress upon us this morning that we're in that place that God takes what we've got and he makes it enough. What a day, thirdly, to be alive, to have faith for a miracle to take place. Recorded in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 to 15, we read there of a commander of the army of Aaron by the name of Naaman. Then Naaman, we read, had leprosy. Scholars uh, differ on their opinion about this. Some say if it was leprosy, you wouldn't be able to live with other people. I agree with that. Other people look at it and maybe a really bad psoriasis or whatever. But this man was really suffering. There was a little girl in the house, a servant girl, who's, who said to, to Naaman's wife, I believe, then get a hold of this, let's take this in perspective, army commander, commander of a vast army, suffering badly, little girly, servant in the house, goes to Naaman's wife and says, I believe that if Naaman, no doubt she called him sir, would go and see the prophet in Samaria, he would be healed. What a thing to say. So this was shared with Naaman and he thought, sack that. I ain't going to do that. I'll see the physicians and whatever, but I'm not going all the way to see the prophet Elisha in, in Samaria to get my healing. He was persuaded to go. So he overcame his pride, set on the way with his servants. As he's approaching Elisha's home, Elisha already knew who was coming. And so sent his servant out. He didn't go himself. Sent his servant to see this mighty Naaman to tell him to go and dunk himself in the River Jordan seven times. What must Naaman have thought at that point? This servant comes. Oh, uh, uh, are you Naaman? Yes. The prophet Elisha says, go and throw yourself in the river seven times and you'll be healed. He thought, I'm going back home. But thankfully, his two servants persuaded him. But we read more into this, that Naaman got into the river, went down once, came up, nothing had happened. It was only on the seventh time he came up, and his skin was clean and pure. One little girl with faith in God had the bottle to speak out and say, I believe that God can bring healing. What about a church in Lincoln having the bottle to say, I believe that God can heal you to people who are sick that we meet? Can you imagine on a Monday morning, the council 
having a big problem coming here to collect crutches, wheelchairs, sticks, that once belonged to people on a Sunday who came in unable to walk, unable to do things, but they found the healing here and left them to be collected on the Monday morning. You may say that's ridiculous, Mark. Hazel and me have seen that with our own eyes. When we were in Argentina, we saw the stacking up of wheelchairs. We saw the stacking up of crutches and walking frames. As people came unable to walk properly, but they left completely healed. I want that to happen here. Dear God in heaven. Somehow we've got to be in a place where we take God for being God. Grasp our faith afresh and live it out. Fourthly, what a day to be alive, to take on a giant, whatever form that giant will take. The scriptural reference, and I'm not going through it, is 1 Samuel 17, verse 1 to 58. Read it this afternoon, it will thrill you. But basically, the Philistines had come and they were facing the Israelites across a valley. And there was one big soldier called Goliath, Philistine Goliath, who came and challenged the armies on a daily basis. There was a shepherd lad by the name of David, son of Jesse, whose three older brothers had gone and were part of the army of Israel. David took them some food one day. And when he arrived at this place, he, he heard this Philistine shouting out. And so David, being David, decided he would uh, have a word with one or two of the soldiers and said, why, why don't you take him out? Come on. Come, take him out. You don't have that on a daily basis. And he soon realized that these soldiers were in fear, which included his brother, so much so that Eliab, his, his brother, was really knocked that his youngest brother was there telling him to get up and fight. And the account goes that David got the ear of King Saul and said, you've got to take this man down. He is big trouble. And Saul said, well, well no, we, we've, we've got no. David said, let me go. And he said, no, no, you're a lad. I'm not letting you. He said, let me go. I go in the name of the Lord. So this phenomenal giant that put fear into the life of every one of the Israelites was faced up by a young lad with a sling and five stones, even though he only needed to use one. And David said, you come with all your armor, you come with all your power, but I come in the name of the Lord. Can I say that again? I come in the name of the Lord. The giant was facing a young man. But David came in the name of the Lord. Is it time, church, that we awakened within our life a statement, I come in the name of the Lord? Atmospheres in our communities would change when we walk in the name of the Lord. I've got faith in God to believe that crime rates can fall when we walk in the name 
of the Lord. That our workplaces can become better when we walk in the name of the Lord. That the drug scene in our city can be broken when we come in the name of the Lord. Nothing is impossible for God to do. But it's for his church, his people to rise up. And so David was there and he threw the stone with a sling. And Goliath was felled once and for all. Whatever giants we have in our life, God is the answer to our need. Fifthly, what a day to be alive to hear God speak to you. We read in 1 Samuel 3, verse 1 to 21, there's, there's a lad called Samuel. He's a, a servant, as it were, in the temple for Eli. And Samuel starts hearing voices. Have you ever started to hear voices? But he started to hear voices, and so he went to Eli and said, something's cooking here, I don't know what's going on. And Eli advised him, he said, when you hear the voice next time, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is hearing. And so Samuel said that, and then we read there quite clearly, and the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I love that. When was the last time your ears tingled? When was the last time you heard something and it sort of shocked you? You, you wasn't expecting it. it. It wasn't there. It's just over five years ago now. I, I was sat in church down here. And I was really enjoying church, as always I do. But there's something quickened within my spirit. I love all you lot. You're a nice, happy, clappy bunch. But that was not enough. I love the preaching of God's word at the time. But for me, that was not enough. The fabulous worship, but for me, that was not enough. I was engaging with this on a Sunday. I was engaging with this through connect groups and midweek meetings and all the other meetings that I was attending. But it was not enough for me in my life. And down there, I'm having a conversation with the Holy Spirit. And I said, look, I really love it here. But I want to be experiencing you out there. I want it in the workplace. I want it in my home. I want it in my community. I want it on the trains to get on the buses. I want it in my car. I need this. I want this. I want this. I want this. And it started slowly as I started to take steps of faith. But believe me, when, when we, God never changes. The Holy Spirit never changes. Jesus is the same. Something on that seat down there had to happen in the life of Mark Hutton where I had to change my approach to my Christian faith. A minister for many years, but that was not enough. I had to engage with the Holy Spirit and ask to experience his work with me out in community in my home, in the workplace. As I was putting this together, I, I listed some of the things that, that has been impacting my life in the last five and a half years. We call them words of knowledge and wisdom. When they start applying out of church environment, there's a dynamic comes on people that excites you. I, I'm living daily in this. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want you to live like this. I don't want you to be like me five and a half years ago, sat in a seat thinking, well, it's happy clappy with together. 
I want you to be experiencing out. And I've just listed some of the things that have engaged me over the past five and a half years. I've spoken words into relationships, into businesses, into careers of people, seen lives change around, into health matters, community matters. I've seen healings, I've seen asthmatics heal, migraines heal, blood pressures come down to normal level. I've seen people released from pain, I've seen people come to faith. Loads of people come to faith, not just in church, but outside of church. I've seen a spirit of death evicted from a suicidal who's now living a happy life, great in the relationship. I've seen refocusing of life, priorities change, atmosphere changes. We've said, Holy Spirit, would you just come now? I presented at a board meeting one time. They didn't like what I was sharing, but I had to share it. And so different board members were having to go a bit at each other. I just said, Holy Spirit, would you just come? Please, Holy Spirit. Under, under my breath, nobody could hear what I was saying. And you know, it, it was like a, a duvet just came down upon that meeting. Fractions ceased, harsh words ceased. I was nudged on my elbow by a director at the side. He said, have you just been praying? The guy's a bar high. He's not a Christian. But he realized something was going on around that board table. This is the dynamic people where the Holy Spirit can move, not just within the church environment, but outside. And it's us to be a part of it. The, the list is endless. I've seen people receive the hearing. I, I hear rain when I pray. What's that all about? What is that all about? You, you're praying. I'm having a really nice time praying and talking to God. I can hear it raining. And then the, God starts to move in the most incredible way. You're talking with people, praying with people. You hear, the, hear rain falling. There's no rain, I'm not wet. But this sort of stuff is, is, is going on. Seeing tongues of fire. Seeing people touched by God. What a day to be alive to hear God speak to you. I see pictures on people's heads, visions. Before the five and a half years, I could count on one hand the visions that I'd had. This is going on all the time now because of this engagement. It's nothing about me, but it's me being willing to allow the Holy Spirit to move. I believe our nation needs this within the lives of Christians. I believe we need a dynamic that takes the boring out of Christianity and puts life in it, what God intended. I want to see Christians in that place where they're serving God, serving God, and having great pleasure in what they see. To be excited at waking up in the morning. The first thing I say when I wake up in the morning is, Thank God I'm alive. And then I welcome the Holy Spirit. Sixthly, what a day to be alive for financial provision. We're reading Matthew 17, verse 24 to 27, of Peter coming to Jesus and saying, look, we've got to pay some tax. And Jesus said, that's all right. Go catch a fish. The money's in its mouth. Come on. How many of us, if somebody came to you, Stuart came to you today and said, oh, you you know you've got a need. And Stuart came to you, not that he's Jesus, of course, but you need to know what I'm saying. Stuart came to you and said, go fishing in the Witham, and the fish in there will have the money in its mouth to pay. How many of us would go and do it? Come on. How many of us? Peter did. And there the money was in the mouth. Nearly two years ago now, Hazel and myself, we had a massive bill come to our home. It was a legal bill. 
we had not got the money to pay for it. And so what do you do? You start praying and asking God for the money to come. The money wasn't coming. The money was not coming at all. I was driving from Hull along the A15. I can tell you the exact place. I'm having a right argy-bargy with God. Tell him I'm not happy. Tell him it's unfair. I like to think I'm obedient to God and doing everything that he wants me to do. And yet this money was not coming in to pay this big bill that we had. I got, I got to the junction on the A15 for Kurt and Lindsay, and inside my car, the, the car was filled with an intense peace. Peace. It, it, it was like enveloping me in the car. I said, that's all right, God. Give me your peace. But I want the jolly money. <laughs> I need this. We need this. We've got three or four days. This bill's got to be paid. This bill's got to be paid, God. What people thought as they was passing a Citroen Picasso on the A15, now, I wasn't singing along to the music. I was really going at it to God in the car, driving safely, of course. <laughs> but you know, as I, as I came to the next junction, it wasn't a verbal voice came in my brain, but what came into my mind was the shoe boxes in your wardrobe. What? The two shoe boxes in your wardrobe. And I remembered that when our parents had passed away, we inherited family jewellery and trinkets and stuff like that, that we just had in shoeboxes, two shoeboxes in our wardrobe. So anyway, I arrive home at Saxelby. Hazel welcomes me at the door. She could see by my face I was sucking wasps. I was not in a happy place. I said, what's going on? So I said, I've just had, just had a real... God about this. I said, we've, we've got to see something happen, Irene, with this. We, 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 need, we need help. I said, but all I got was two shoeboxes in our wardrobe. I said, it's got all that jewelry and trinkets in, you know, from, from our parents and family, you know, aunties and uncles that has been left. And Aisla at that point handed me an A5 piece of paper. She said, look what's just been put through the door. And it was an advert for Unique Auctions at Icombe. If you've got jewellery and trinkets, we, we will come and value them at your house. And you can sell them at auction. As I stand before you this morning, folks, Hazel set out those two shoe boxes of stuff on our dining room table. A lovely man called Terry came, valued them, took them to Unique Auctions at Icombe. The bill was completely paid, plus 30 pounds. I was expecting God to do things in a completely different way, but God had already provided. And folks, this is the dynamic of the Christian life. I'm living with at this point in time, with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, asking for more, asking for more. I've seen a whole dynamic come, seen healings take place, lives change. People coming to talk to me and start crying. What's that all about? I thought I'm a nice bloke to talk to. Then you realize it's nothing. It's, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying nothing this morning, folks, for my glory. Please, God, no, no, no. I'm just Mark Hutton, but willing to allow the Holy Spirit to have control. And finally, what a day to be alive, for the insignificant to become great. 
In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 to 7, we read of Elijah going to the widow of one of his workers. She had nothing. And Elijah said, look, you must have something in your house. What have you got? She said, I've got a small pot of oil. And Elijah said, go get the vessels and start to pour the oil. And as she started to pour the oil from this tiniest of vessels, the oil didn't stop flowing. It filled the vessels and filled the vessels and filled the vessels and filled the vessels. All of her debts were being paid and she had more to excess. Church, and I close with this this morning, too often as Christians, we come saying we have not got enough. We can't do this. We can't do that. Instead of coming with what we've got and asking God to bless it. When God blesses, the impossible becomes possible. God can do anything, anytime, any place. I remember as a youngster, not feeling old enough to do things. And when we get into advanced years, of course, we're not young enough to do things. And then in middle age, we haven't got enough time. The call to the church today is, who will allow the Holy Spirit to have a fresh fellowship with you? And to your dying breath, say, God, take my life. Let me experience you as you intended me to experience you. You may be in here this morning saying, Mark, I really want to know more about this. I, I don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. A prayer will come up on the screen right now. And this is a wonderful prayer for us to be in a place where we, we can share this together. And then at the end, I'm going to ask you just to close our eyes. And if you're saying this prayer for the first time, I want you just to raise your hands so I can see and come and chat with you at the end. Okay, let's share this together. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever love you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just as we close our eyes. Has anybody shared that prayer for the first time? Anybody say, Mark, I want this relationship with Jesus. Anybody in the balcony? I'm just looking around. Just put your hands straight up now. Let me see. Downstairs, anybody down here this morning for the first time? Yes, thank you. That's the best decision you're making in your life. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else? So in closing, alive, this is your opportunity. Just like me five and a half years ago, sitting down there to say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come afresh into my life. I will take the steps of faith. I will not hold back. 
use me to make a difference. If that's for you, I want you to stand in this venue this morning with me. Brilliant. 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 From the back of the balcony right down to the front row. This is a statement of openness to the Holy Spirit. Expect. So in the mighty name of Jesus, I bless you. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Come. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Take what we've got. We come with what we've got. Not moaning about what we're missing. We ask you to take that and use it for the benefit of others. In our lifetime, let us see people come to faith. In our lifetime, allow us to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. In our lifetime, allow us to speak a blessing into our neighbor's life, into our colleague's life and see you perform the miraculous. Take us as we are. Bless us and anoint us afresh with the Holy Spirit for purpose. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.